Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Kemi with us today, all the way from Jubilee Church in London. She is a pastor there. She is also the founder of the Courage Conference, which has been a great conference which has impact all across the world. And she is also a pretty cool mum. I saw last night on her Instagram that her boys were up on Leicester Square because she is a mum to the Ezra Collective. So she is an all-round amazing wise woman. So let's lean in. We're excited for what Kemi's going to bring. Let's welcome Kemi Kellyoso. so much. You know, I used to be known as Kemi Colioso. Now I'm known as the Imam of Ezra Collective. But I take that, I'll take that. Well, good morning to everyone here with me in Cambridge. Good morning to you in Bury, joining us from Bury, Colchester, to everyone online. And to those of you who are joining us this morning from the prisons, you are so, so welcome. It really is a privilege and an honor to be with you this morning. I'm excited to be here. This feels like home to me. And um, you are such a lovely, lovely people. But thank you. Thank you for that. Welcome, Katie. Well, um, I'm going to jump straight into the Bible. So why don't you come with me to the book of 2 Kings? I'm going to be reading from chapter 4, and going from verse 18 to 23. That's 2 Kings 4, 18 to 23. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. (laughs) And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may go quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It's, it is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, all is well. Let us pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to bring your word this morning. Thank you for a time of worship where we can honor you, praise you, bring our praise before you. And Lord, as we come to the preaching of your word, I do pray, Father, that you prepare every heart that is hearing my voice, that you will speak through me that hearts will be prepared to hear your word, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you will bring insight for living, changed lives, Lord God, as a result of your word this morning. And I pray, Father God, that above all else, that we will be edified and your name glorified in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, Good morning to you all once again, and I want to say a big thank you to Pastor Steve and Pastor Angie for inviting me to share the word this morning. Um, uh, I'm always excited, actually, to, to reconnect with friends, Angie and I, and I love you, Steve, you know I do, but um, Pastor Angie and I are, are very good friends, and um, it's one of those friendships when, when we do 
catch up together. We kind of what's happening in your life and what's new and what's old and what's good and what's challenging. And it's always a blessing, it really is. And um, I found myself the other day having a meal with some other friends. I have some friends that we've known each other for quite a while, about 25 years. And we were, uh, it was someone's 50th birthday, so we'd gone out to celebrate their 50th birthday. And I just love really good friendships. I really do. And... Um, we were, we were at the restaurants, we were sitting down, and it suddenly dawned on me that in two years' time, every single person around that table would have clocked 50. Some people around that table would be heading towards 60. And I'm thinking, wow, time really does fly. Honestly, it does. I mean, we have known each other for about 25 years, and I remember as a young Christian, my pastor's wife was saying, no, me and so-and-so have known each other for 25 years. I'm like, what? 25 years, and here I am going, yeah, you know, we've known each other. But we began to reminisce. We began to talk about the old days. We began to talk about, um, you know, early life. And somewhere in the conversation, we went all the way back to childhood. And I happened to say something along the lines like, I remember when I was in foster care. And everyone just fell silent. Because for some reason, I hadn't realized that Two of my friends hadn't realized that I'd been in foster care. Now, I wasn't in foster care for a long time. It was a very short period of my life. But it was something. And so they asked me, she said to me, what, do you have any memories of you being in foster care? I said, yeah, vaguely, not a lot. I said, I remember something nice about foster care, and I remember something awful about foster care. She said, what was that? I said, I remember my foster uh, dad was, he worked for Walls Ice Cream. So every Saturday we got the ice cream, you know the ice cream in a block that you kind of, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it was an old, it was an old thing that was, came in a block and you kind of sliced it. So we had ice cream on a Saturday and I used to think that was just absolutely phenomenal. And then she said, so what were the difficult bits? And I was like, well, you know, there were some bits that, you know, obviously I'm away from home. I said, but whenever I was... Whenever I did something wrong, I remember one occasion I did something wrong, and my, my foster mom made me eat soap. So till today, I cannot bear to see just bars of soap, like it, was, it wasn't even a fresh bar. Um, and then I just carried on. And I could feel that around the table, there was almost like a shocked silence. And I tried to lighten the mood because this was a birthday party. I was like, goodness me, girl, you are such a party killer, aren't you? Um, so we again started to talk about some of the highs of our lives. But after a while, we started to talk about some of the disappointments, some of the challenges that we face in life. And the truth is that you cannot go through life, okay? You cannot go through life without ever hitting a challenge. You cannot go through life without ever having disappointments. Because at the end of the day, as Christians, we are not promised an easy life. I'm sure you know that. It says in this world, you will face trials, you will face tribulation. And so it is part and parcel of life. So I am so sure that for as many of us who are here this morning, hearing my voice, that you have had your fair, church, um, your fair share of trials, tribulations, of challenges, of disappointments in life. But the interesting thing that I found is that, yes, we deal with these things, but whenever you have something difficult you're dealing with, and wherever you go to God with something that you are looking to God for, that if you find that the prayer that you are praying is not answered in the way that you think it ought to be answered or the time frame in which you think that thing ought to be answered, then bit by bit that hope, that expectation begins to wane because you're thinking, actually, I thought by now this thing would have happened. 
I thought by now I would have had that thing in my hand. And I think it's only natural that, you know, your sense of hope becomes a little bit fragile the longer and the more difficult things are. And there is no shame in that because even the Bible says in Proverbs 13 and verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The reality really is that a lot of people are living with a sense of hope deferred. If we're to be honest, we are living with a sense of hope deferred. I love the way that the message puts it. It says unrelenting disappointment, which has left you heart sick. Are you living with disappointment that has just left you feeling... Maybe it's disappointment in your relationships. Maybe it's a marriage that you have prayed about, that you've gone to God about, and you thought by now things ought to be fine, but actually you find yourself still trying to hold on to this marriage. Maybe it's disappointment in the area of children where you thought by now you should have had a child, but you haven't. Disappointment in the areas to do with your, your you know, you thought by now you'd be married, but you're not married. Disappointments to do with that child who has walked away from God, and you've prayed year after year for the child to come back to God, and yet they seem to go further and further away. Disappointment in places where maybe it's to do with your health, where you have come forward to be prayed for. You've had the pastors lay hands on you. You've had oil poured over you, and yet you're still dealing with that illness, and you're saying to yourself, actually, I'm not even sure if I'm ever going to get better. I might as well just be on these tablets for the rest of my life disappointments to do with your future. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, actually, I used my own hands to wreck my future and look where I am now. And actually, I'm in a situation where I don't actually see whether I've got that future or that hope that the Bible talks about. But I want to say to you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You have a future. You have a hope that whatever happened in your past does not have to define your future it doesn't even have to define you where you are at now. Oh, yeah, you might be in a difficult position, but trust me, there is still light in that darkness. Because God, if God is with you, then there is nothing that is impossible with him. That, yes, we might have dealt with disappointments in our lives, but we serve a God who is able. The interesting thing, really, like I said, is that we are not alone in disappointments. Even in the Bible, we read story after story of people who faced challenges and disappointments and saw how God, they are there for us, written in the good book for us to look at and to trust that actually if God could do it for them, he can do it for me. So I want to take us to the story in the Bible. It's a story, it's from the passage that I read earlier, and um, it's a very known, well-known story, and I'm just going to walk us through it. It's the story of the Shunammite woman. Now, this is a woman who faced disappointment in her life. And just to put it in context for you, there's a, we, we're not told what her name is, but what we know is that Elisha, the prophet, is often passing through her village, her town, Shunem. And she notices that this prophet is often coming in and out of the town. So she offers to feed him. So every time Elisha will visit Shunem, she will provide food for Elijah, Elisha. And then one day she goes to her husband. She says, you know, I perceive that this guy is a prophet and he's always coming. We're feeding him. But let's go one step further. Let us build him. Let us build him a, a, a room on the top of the house and let us furnish this room so that whenever he comes, he has somewhere comfortable that he can stay in. And so she did this for Elisha. 
Elisha was so grateful for the care, the compassion that this woman showed him that she, he called her one day. He said, what can I do for you? Do you want me to go to the king or should I go to the head of the army? And, you know, is there anything that I can, you know, maybe talk to the king about for you? She said, you know what? I'm good. I, lived, I live amongst my own people. I'm actually pretty comfortable. I'm okay. Elisha calls his servant Gehazi and says, Gehazi, surely there must be something that we can do for this woman. Gehazi says, yeah, there is one thing, you know. She has no child and her husband is old. And so Elisha says, okay, call her. Elisha calls the Shunammite woman. She stands at the door and Elisha says to her, he says, by this time next year, by this season, you will hold a child in your hand. Well, this woman's response was a little bit strange. Because she said, she said this, she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. I mean, this man of God is giving you a promise and you're like, no, no, no. In fact, let me put it in BGV, black girl version. Elijah's saying, you're going to have a kiss. She's saying, hell no, do not mess with me, prophet man. Don't go there. We've been there before. I do not want to go there. That's basically what she's saying. Okay, <laughs> and I'm reading it, I'm thinking, I get it, because this woman would have grown up in a situation where not having a child was a stigma, was difficult, and so month after month, she would have been faced with disappointment. Year after year, she would have heard the whispers in the marketplace around the wells about the woman who hasn't had a child yet. Time after time, year after year, she would have faced disappointment after disappointment after disappointment until she got to the point where she was like, okay. I'm just going to settle right now. I'm just going to leave it buried. We're not going there anymore. She said, oh, no, 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 no. Let's do not lie to your servant. This was a woman who had a desire once, who had a dream once, but she has long buried it. She's decided, actually, no, I'm going to leave it in the background. This was a hope that has been interred, that actually I don't want this thing revived again. And so really my question is, and when you read the whole story, you realize that God turns things around for her, spoiler alert. But here's the thing, how then does re do we revive hope that has been buried? How do we revive hope that has been interred? And I want to put it to you that a lot of the time people will say, well, you need to keep praying, and that's right. But I really believe one of the things that God is calling us to, when there are things that you are holding on to, where there are things that maybe you have left behind. Oh, it's fine, you've left it behind, but still be in an attitude where God has room to move in your life. And I think that attitude really, first of all, is an intentional gratitude. That this woman would live with intentional gratitude. No matter what the things in your life are not complete, that you still live with an attitude that says, Lord, I am so grateful for what you have done for me. I am so grateful for the gifts that you have given me. I'm grateful for the blessings that you have blessed me with. A lot of the time we wait for these things to happen before we say thank you to God. But I want to put it to us this morning that you, grow, you, work, you, you intentionally say thank you for the things that he hasn't even done yet. That you live a life that says, Lord, I am grateful. Whether I am on the mountaintop or whether the mountain is in my way, I am going to give you thanks for what you are, for who you are, and for what you are going to do in my life. Can I hear an amen? amen. That we live with intentional gratitude. Not only 
Uh, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5:18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What are you grateful for? What is God doing in your life right now that you need to say thank you to him for? It says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Her gratitude was seen in her generosity. See, an attitude of gratitude will shift your mindset and make you more compassionate, not just to yourself, but to others. If you are intentional with gratitude, you will increase in generosity. It goes hand in hand. A, a heart that is so grateful is a heart that is quick to give, quick to help. She fed Elisha not just once. She fed him over and over again. She went beyond feeding him. You know, she went beyond feeding him to actually giving this guy a whole love conversion on the top of her house, converted the whole place. Not only did she convert, build a, a house, a room for him on the top of the house, she put, she put a bed in there. Not only did she put a bed in there, she put a chair in there. Not only did she put a chair in there, she put a table in there. Not only did she put a table in there, she put a lamp in there. And she just didn't do it just once. She did it over. She, she cared for this man. This is a heart that is saying, yes, maybe things are not as they should be, but actually I'm still going to be generous wherever I can. She did not get, you know, her, her generosity was not on the basis of, oh, man of God, do for me. But she was just generous because she was generous. And I want to put it to you, church, today, that we need to have a heart not just of gratitude, but of increasing generosity as well. Are you generous in the house of God, the place where God has planted you? Are you serving in the house of God? Are you generous, not just practically, not just financially? Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your emotions? There are people in the house of God who need someone to come alongside them, to support them, to encourage them. There are people who need mothers in the Lord, fathers in the Lord. There are people who need to be loved. There are people who need to be cared for. It doesn't always have to be material things that you can give of yourself. That is generosity. To say, actually, let me bless this person and have coffee with her. Let me bless this guy and go out for a pint or whatever. Sorry if I've offended anyone. Let me go. <laughs> a pint of Coke. <laughs> Generosity makes us more like God. The godly are generous givers. That's what Psalm 37, 21 says. God blesses our generosity. It says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 11. Not only was this woman generous, but I believe in keeping our hope revived that we need to make space for God. She made space for the man of God. In those days, the prophets brought the word of God. She made space. If she didn't make space for this man of God, she would not, not be in a position to be blessed. And I want to use that to say to us, we need to make space for God. We need to make space by being men and women of the word. If you will read his word, spend time in his word, that's what it looks like to make space for God. To be in positions where God can speak into your life. To be in service where people can bless you, speak the word of God over you. To be in your small groups where iron sharpens iron. You get to dig into the word together. To make space for God is to allow God to speak into your life. 
And as you make space for God, you will see that God will speak to you. And when he speaks to you, I want to encourage you to hold on to the word. Hold on to the word of God. Psalm 119 and verse 16 says, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Because at the end of the day, despite this woman's initial response, I believe she held on to that word. Because as per the word, the following year, she did give birth to a son. And so I want to say, not only lay hold of the word, but when God gives you a word, stay expectant. Keep your expectation open. Say, Lord, I've got this word. No matter how long, I'm going to still stay expectant. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added onto you. Why have I put that verse there? Because I see, I believe that in order for us to enter into all that God has for us, that we need to be grateful people. We need to be generous people. We need to make space for God. We need to hold on to his word. We do all these things. And then the word says... And all these things will be added onto you. Amen? The rest of the story, the story doesn't end there because you know the rest of the story. Um, you know, she gives birth to a boy. The boy's growing up. He's out in the fields with his father. And he says, my head, my head. The father says, go to your mom. The mom holds the child. And about 12 noon, it says the child dies. The child of promise dies. But I tell you what, this woman gets her child. And she takes the child and she lays the child on the prophet's bed. This woman was not preparing for a funeral. She was preparing for a miracle. She did not shroud the child in, in burial clothes. No, she put him on the prophet's bed. She said, because I know I was promised this child. This isn't it. I want to say to somebody this morning, whatever it is that God has promised you, do not bury it. He's not finished yet. He's not finished yet. She goes to her husband and she says to her husband, I need to go and see the prophet. Her husband says, it's not Sabbath, it's not, a, it's not a festival day. And she says to him, all is well. Doesn't tell him the child has died. She says, all is well. She saddles a donkey, she goes to Elisha. Elisha sees her coming, sends Gehazi to her. He says to Gehazi, go, I can see the woman coming. He says, go and ask her. Run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, all is well. I believe this is not a statement of blind faith, but of deep trust in the God who promised. Isaiah 3.10 says this, it says, tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. She goes straight to Elisha, she clings to him, she says, you're coming with me. Did I not tell you not to give my, your, I mean, in my head, it's playing like a, like a soap opera right now. Man of God, come now, okay? I don't need your servant, I need you. You're coming with me. Takes him to the house. Elisha goes into the room, shuts the door, and it's just Elisha and the child. And he does the strangest thing. He pray, well, it's not strange to pray. Prayer is good. But after that, he prays, and then he stretches himself over the child. And the Bible tells us that mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand, and then bit by bit, the child's body begins to warm up, but the child is not alive. 
Elijah steps away and he paces up and down. And I believe in that pacing he was praying. Because you see, not every miracle is instant. Sometimes miracles take a while. And so you need to keep pressing in with prayer. Keep pressing in with prayer. He prays and then he goes back over the child. And he repeats the actions once again. And the Bible tells us that the child sneezed seven times. I'm sure there's something significant in that. Seven is a number of completion. He completed the work that God had started. God completes whatever it is that God starts in your life. May he bring it to completion in the name of Jesus. The child awakens. He turns to the mother. She says to the mother, here is your child. You know, for me... Those actions really are powerful. They are really, really powerful. The Shunammite woman experienced, she experienced the reward of hope renewed. The reward of her hope that had been so buried and dead that she was able to make room, make space for God and get that thing set alight again. And I know that many people here are thinking, no, I don't want to go there. But if God has not yet said it's over, then it isn't over. I want to encourage you to keep pressing in into the word of God. Her much-loved child was restored to life. Desire fulfilled is a tree of life. When hope's desire is finally fulfilled, it brings long-sustained life. Elisha stretched himself on the child. And it reminds me of another who stretched out himself. But this time he stretched himself out on the cross. He stretched himself out for you and I. He is our living hope. And as he stretched himself out on the cross, he breathed his last breath. But in him breathing his last breath, he left with us the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we have life today. But not just that. His eyes see every challenge. His eyes see every disappointment. His eyes see everything that you have gone through. Right from the day you were conceived till now, he knows. His eye is on the sparrow and he watches, he watches over you. Not only does he watch over you, his hands are there to guide you. His hands are there to protect you. His hands are there to provide for you. And my prayer is that as you, why don't you just stand with me? I just want to pray over you. Just stand. Just lift your hands before him. I don't know what your situation is. Where the, the hope is still there. And I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are, to begin to call out to God. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. But say, Lord, here I am. You know my heart's desire. I know the promises you have over my life. And I'm praying, Father, that you will do it. And as God begins to strengthen you, protect you, provide you, through the hard days, through the easy days, that we will have confidence to know and confidence to say, all is well. And I pray over these people this morning, Lord God, that their roads that may be rocky, Father God, that you will come and you will guide them, lead them, be with them, protect them, and that you will cause your face to shine upon them, and that they will know that it is well with their souls in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the C3 Podcast. If this message has spoken to you today in some way, we would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. 
And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to thec3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.